The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. You're tuned in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman, Ross Tucker. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a Monster Monday presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Most of you know this. Love that we're getting more and more people watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I don't even know if we gave away the actual Madden uh, deluxe edition via YouTube yet. So if we didn't, make sure you head over there, get on that video, and reply with the console of your choice. Back-to-back Mondays, where I wanted to go and talk with one of my favorite guys at Pro Football Focus, because those guys do an unbelievable job of grading every player on every play And when is that more valuable than the preseason? I mean, look, we all get the numbers for the whole regular season, but preseason can give us some indicators, especially of young guys that might be performing even better than we had anticipated. Sam Munson will join me momentarily. There's a lot to get to, by the way, just in terms of the news from over the weekend. A lot that I want to discuss with you guys. I mentioned DraftKings. You guys ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football, score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Life is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, with code Ross, the crown is yours. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, Sam. Love talking with you always. How long have you been with Pro Football Focus now? 
One of the originals, Ross, the uh, Matthew Collar, the uh, Vikings beat guy, Purple Insider, has written a book on PFF, and he's actually dubbed uh, us first-run guys as the originals. So back 2008, I think, was when I started doing games for PFF, so a long time now. Wow, unbelievable. 15 years. That is awesome. And is the preseason any different in terms of you guys obviously doing a grade for every player? I mean, just, there's just a lot more players, I guess. <laughs> yeah, a lot more players. And obviously the sample size is a lot smaller. So just the data, the information, it's all just a lot more fragile. Like the, the bigger the sample size, the better the data is across the board in, in all walks of life. So when you're looking over the course of a, a thousand snap season in the NFL, the numbers are pretty good when you're talking about what are the grades look like, what are the data look like on 17 snaps on a you know week three preseason game. The information's a little bit more iffy. <laughs> right, that makes sense. Make sure you're checking him out on social media, by the way, like I do, at PFF underscore Sam. Sam, I was thinking about you a little bit when I saw Nerd Aim over in Dublin. Yeah, that game in, in the Aviva Stadium, that game is like 10 minutes from the house that I used to live in before we moved over here to Cincinnati and uh, PFF HQ. So, yeah, it was fun seeing, you know, everyone on, on social media kind of looking around Dublin, doing all the stuff in Ireland. Wow, that's amazing. 10 minutes away. Very, very cool. So uh, I, I got some rookies I want to ask you about. But before I get to them, uh, there are some veterans in the news that I wanted to get your thoughts on. And I want to start with Trey Lance. I I'll give my thoughts on it later, Sam, in terms of him being traded to the Dallas Cowboys. But I'm curious what you guys thought of him coming out of North Dakota State and what you've seen from him the last few years. And speaking of small sample size, limited preseason and regular season action. Yeah, I mean, I won't speak for everybody at PFF. You know, there's different opinions there. I, I liked Trey Lance coming out. I liked all five of the quarterbacks in that class, which is quite unusual. Usually, you know, when there's a group of four or five that you expect to go in the first round, there's one or two that you don't necessarily love as much as the rest. I thought all five guys in that class were, were good prospects and different in their own ways. And they were very different when you looked at the the collection of them, like, Mac Jones and Trey Lance being sort of comparable prospects, but wildly different in terms of makeup, skill set, experience, all those kinds of things. Um, but Trey Lance was a lot like we think about Anthony Richardson this year, you know, incredibly inexperienced. And that was his real um, feature that season was the guy had just barely played football, but incredible athleticism. Big, strong, had a great arm, you know, arguably the best arm of anybody in that class or the top guys, was a great athlete, um, had incredible rushing success. And then it was a case of he just needs to go to a place like Anthony Richardson that can start him, that can get him experience, that understands how to build an offense around that kind of skill set because he needs those reps. And unfortunately for him in San Francisco, like that just hasn't materialized. And I don't think it's the 49ers fault necessarily. You know, they were going to give him those snaps last season and he got hurt. And by the time he got back and ready, Brock Purdy had emerged. And at that point it was sort of difficult to make any kind of switch back. So I think unfortunately for Lance, he's just kind of been unlucky the way his NFL career has panned out so far. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk about this later, Sam, but 
I feel like he's going to like a similar situation in Dallas where they have right. a really good team. And, uh, and in Dallas, they have even more of an established quarterback. I just, I, I tweeted this the other day at Ross Tucker NFL just feels like a really strange fit to me. Yeah, it's it's not one of the teams that I would have sort of handpicked to to deposit Trey Lance on if I was trying to sort of restart his career. But you know, you look throughout the NFL, there weren't that many. You know, the, the obvious fit teams. There weren't places where he could get an obvious pathway through to that starting time. Unfortunately for him, you look at his performance this preseason. He's had I think three turnover worthy plays. He's committing the kind of cardinal Shanahan sin, which is not even taking the number one option that's presented to him with the play call over and over again, you know, passing up on that, trying to find a second or a third read. Um, And you look at it and you say, he's so far from being ready right now. Like he's actually looks like he's going backwards um, the way things are. I don't know how many teams would even want him as the primary backup, you know, being a snap away from having to go in and carry the team for a series of games. You look at a, you know, teams that have weak starters, say a team like Atlanta, right? Desmond Ritter, we don't know how he's going to go. I think you would want Taylor Heineke off the bench before you would want Trey Lance coming off the bench right now. Like, that's the situation he's in at the moment. Wow, that's a really interesting point. And uh, obviously not not a good sign. Because that is one of the teams, especially with his running ability, that right. would intrigue me would be to see him go to somewhere like Atlanta. So if it doesn't work out with Ritter that they would put Lance in and give him a chance. But even now at this late of a stage, you know, he hasn't been there for OTAs. He hasn't been there for training camp and preseason. I mean, that wouldn't exactly be putting him in a good situation, Sam, if they threw him in there at some point this year anyway. I mean, but I will say this, you know, it's very rare in the NFL that you're like in a perfect situation. Like cry me a river, bro. You know, I went to a bunch of different teams. Like, situations are not perfect. Uh, There is not a situation anymore with the Raiders and Josh Jacobs as he signed his deal. You know, I feel like, Sam, and I'm not blaming you guys, but I feel like a lot of the running back discussion, I think Steve, who was on last week, is a little bit more outspoken about the running backs don't matter um, Hmm. thought process. But I am curious as to kind of where you stand with the value of running backs in general and maybe Josh Jacobs in particular. Yeah, I I think it's a complicated discussion. Um, There's definitely an element to which, you know, the the, the hyperbole went too far. The the idea that running backs don't matter and, and all that kind of thing, I think was always a little bit overstated. The point generally is that Running backs um, are a, an unusual position group in the NFL. It, it sort of behaves differently to any other position of the league. Running backs' best seasons are that first contract, and arguably some of their best seasons are behind them in college, and that doesn't really happen at any other position. Um, so the, we're in this tough world right now where PFF may have been highlighting this and you know helping pour gas on the fire, but the league has been trending away from these big money second contracts or third contracts for a number of years now. And for anything that PFF did to enhance that, the recent history of those contracts has done, you know, more. Like the idea that Todd Gurley and Zeke Elliott and David Johnson and, um, you know, pretty much every big contract recently has almost immediately become uh, a problem, become an albatross around the neck of the team that gave out that deal 
teams just don't want to give out that big money deal now. And with the franchise tag with, um, you know, available to those guys, you have four, five, you know, maybe six years worth of control for these running backs if they're drafted in the first round. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to hand out that deal. So running backs are in a really tough spot, and we saw that this offseason. You know, they had this kind of Zoom call, this almost running back union. They wanted to, you know, make some noise and, and try and exert some control and get these deals for guys that were holding out. And if you just look at the success rate of the ones that have, Austin Eckler got a couple of million extra in incentives. Um, Josh Jacobs just had to sign for a couple of million extra and, and come back and show up to work. Saquon Barkley got like 900,000 of incentives and he had to show up to the entirety of training camp. I mean, there's just zero leverage right now for running backs. And obviously now all of the focus is on, on Jonathan Taylor, who is trying to get that deal. But the Colts are basically saying, no, not going to happen here. If you think you can get a trade, let's let's get that happening. Let's find a team that's willing to give us uh, what we think you're worth, but we don't want to give you this second contract right now. What about Sam Bryce Young as we start to look at some of these preseason performances? You know, he's a guy I'm intrigued by because I know some people that have watched and they just blame Carolina's O-line. Other people are, are thinking, I don't know how – how, how, how ready he is or how well it's going to go for him early in his career. Your thoughts on Bryce Young so far? I think he's been okay. I, I'm a little bit concerned by how that offensive line has looked. Um, and they've been down starters at times, so it's not necessarily the starting five that's going to be in front of him the whole way. But it hasn't been good so far in preseason. And I think it's it's definitely impacted his performance. Um, and, and Iki Aquanu in particular, left tackle, this is a guy that has the ability to be a top-level left tackle. He's always been amazing in the run game. Pass protection has been a little bit more hit and miss in the NFL, but he's been allowing a lot of pressure in preseason in front of Bryce Young. So I worry that if they don't get that sorted, um, he might have some problems. I also think there have been a few plays in preseason where Jonathan Mingo, the rookie wide receiver, clearly hasn't been on the same page as Bryce Young. You know, he's hesitated in routes a little bit, or he's clearly... Um, you know, run his route to a slightly different depth than Bryce Young was anticipating and, and the throw was looked off because of it. So I think there's some teething problems there, but you can see already in, in just the preseason snaps that Bryce Young, I think, can move around in a pocket. He can make guys miss in the backfield. There's a little bit of a an early career Russell Wilson to his play, you know, in just terms of how easy he's able to make a quick move and make a guy miss in the backfield and then kind of reset and you know, keep looking downfield and make a make a throw. So I, I think overall the 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 signs are encouraging for him, but I do worry that that offensive line might undermine the whole thing. If you're a Panthers fan and you're worrying about that, my recommendation is to drink some Labatt Blue Light with your friends and your fellow Panthers fans. Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's interesting, Sam, because some of the other rookies I want to talk to you about, and, and you and I were texting back and forth, and you know, I think some people are, have seen what Aiden O'Connell's done. They've seen what Tank Dell's done. You texted me Trey Tomlinson, though, which is an interesting name. Tell me what you've seen from Trey Tomlinson. 
Yeah, Trey Tomlinson, I think, is a really interesting prospect. So then, obviously, the nephew of Ladanian Tomlinson um, got the got the NFL bloodlines, but he's like five eight, one hundred and eighty pounds, something like that, and was immediately being talked about all the way through the process. It's like he's going to be the best slot corner prospect in this draft, and it was literally just because of his size. He never really played the slot in college. Um, he played almost all of his snaps out outside as a pr- as a true you know, boundary cornerback. And that's where the Rams have been playing him in preseason and in training camp. And he's been doing really well, despite the fact that he's going up against receivers that are, you know, like six inches taller than he is and outweigh him by 45 pounds, you know, depending on who he's going up against. He's showing that he's got that kind of feisty ability to maintain contact, to just fight with these guys during routes and offset the fact that he's, you know, wildly disadvantaged at the catch point, and he's been looking good. And you know, you look at that Rams depth chart on defense; it's it's rough looking. I mean, Trey Tomlinson has a pathway to starting in that team sooner rather than later, and and being a, a real contributor for them. Wow, that's interesting. I I love the fact they didn't just move him the nickel right away. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, that's where I think everybody thought he was going to be just because of his size and the Rams. You know, Jordan Rodriguez, um, great reporter on the Rams, she says they didn't even really consider it. They just kept him outside and, and said, go do what you do. So I might have asked Steve this last year, or last week, I should say, but Nick Herbig with the Steelers had a really good career at Wisconsin. What, you know, he, he looks legit in yeah. the preseason. Why do you think he didn't go till the fourth round, Sam? I, I mean, I think I said on Twitter the other day, like, the Steelers can't keep getting away with this, like getting guys <laughs> like this without having to take them in the top 10 picks. Yeah, he's kind of undersized. He's got a little bit of that tweener thing that Wisconsin seems to specialize in sometimes. You know, they've had a run of these guys like Zach Bond and Joe Schobert, these kind of off-the-ball slash edge rusher hybrid type linebackers. Um, and Herbig's another one of them. But what was interesting to me about Herbig is when he watched his tape in college – he was way more productive coming off the left side of the the defense, the left side of the line, than he was the right side. And Wisconsin played him both, so he he had a lot of plays on either side. But the Steelers have kept him fairly well focused on that one side where almost all of his big plays come from. He's just so much more natural turning the corner, you know, running the hoop from that side of the line than he is from the other side, and he's really, really good at it. So if the Steelers are willing to say – you know, we've got established stars in this defense, but we also have space. You know, we've also got some snaps. We want to keep T.J. Watt fresh. There are some snaps in a season for Nick Herbig to come off that side of the line to spell T.J. Watt to just be a situational guy and focus on what he's really good at. I mean, I think that's really one of the keys to getting production out of some of these players is what does he do well? Let's make him do a lot of that, and let's not ask him to do the things that he doesn't do particularly well. I love that. Um, I want to ask you as well, Sam, about Aiden O'Connell. I talked with Steve about it last week. That's another one where when you watch a guy playing this well in the preseason, although, listen, you know, Tanner McKee, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I I think it's interesting all these, like, late-round, mid-to-late-round quarterbacks that I, I don't really remember other years where there's this many of them playing this well. Yeah, and some of it is that these are the guys right now that are getting the playing time. 
You know, in this world of preseason being a little bit of a, a, a danger, something that the teams want to keep their good players away from, you're not necessarily seeing either top round picks or starters playing any extended time in the preseason. So if you do have a situation that's viable in the second and third teams, and I think that's one of the, the factors here, there's a lot of teams out there with their second team off- offensive line it's just not going to work. You know, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're, they're going to have no success behind that group. Um, but if you're a team that does have a viable second-team offensive line, your quarterback has a lot of playing time in preseason to actually show something. Um, Aiden O'Connell, though, is, is really interesting because when you watched his tape in college, um, his good stuff, like his highlight reel, his big-time throw reel at PFF, it looked incredible. Like he was the guy that you were going to be going to bat for as a, you know, a mid round pick as this guy's got some ability. Like he can make plays. He can read defenses. He can work across a progression. Everything from that reel is good. And then you watch the bad reel. You watch the turnover worthy play reel. And you're like, this is a different quarterback. This isn't the same guy that I just wrote notes on everything that I just wrote about him being good and his strengths it's immediately invalidated by what I just watched in this low light reel. And it's like, I don't know what guy I'm going to get. And now in preseason, we've gone through what three games now where he just hasn't had the bad Aiden O'Connell come out. And I don't know if he, if that was all being caused by something at Purdue or if we're just overdue, you know, the bad side of Aiden O'Connell showing its, its head. But if he's able to, you know, eliminate that or vastly reduce it relative to his college play, there is a very good quarterback in there in Aiden O'Connell. Check him out on social media. He is the man. Love all the stuff that they put out over there at PFF underscore Sam. Thank you so much for joining me as always, Sam. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Ross. Take it easy. Love talking with Sam. Just like I love what I learned from Babel with my daughters as it relates to Spanish. Sam's international, by the way. Sam uh, is from Ireland. He now didn't have to worry about learning a new language since in Ireland they speak English. But if you're going over to Europe anytime soon, I know a lot of people do it over the summer. A lot of people, you know, one in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. Gigantic fan of Babel. All I can tell you is that my daughters have been taking Spanish for four and five years. I took three semesters of college Spanish, and all three of us would tell you without any hesitation that Babel's quick 10-minute lessons helped us more than we, we, we learned from school. I don't know what that means for school, other than maybe they should actually be using Babel. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babel's real learning, language learning for real conversations. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners to get you started right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Ross. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash Ross, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Ross. Rules and restrictions may apply. Tux takes. All right, Ross, we'll start the Cardinals. They were busy this past week trading linebacker Isaiah Simmons to the Giants for a seventh-round pick, offensive lineman Josh Jones, and a seventh-round pick to the Texans for a fifth-round pick, and then a fifth-round pick to the Browns for quarterback Josh Dobbs and a seventh-round pick. They are stockpiling draft choices for future years. I think the Cardinals have a good idea where they're at right now. 
The Buccaneers placed center Ryan Jensen on IR, ending his season and possibly his career. Strange. More information needs to come out here, but Ryan had three torn ligaments and fractures last year in training camp and never got surgery. Uh, did some strange alternate treatment, and he's not going to be able to play this year. Josh Jacobs is back. The Raiders signed him to a one-year deal for $11.8 million with an additional 200000 in incentives. Listen, this is exactly what I said Saquon Barkley should do. Josh Jacobs did the exact right thing. The Raiders knew he was going to wait till the day before the first game. They didn't want to wait that long. They gave him $1.7 million more to show up now as opposed to Two weeks from now. That is, and Jacob skipped all of preseason. That is well done by Jacobs and his agent. Jets head coach Robert Sala named Mackay Becton the Jets' starting right tackle. He was really promising as a rookie. And then he's just had the injuries and the weight issues. Thought Aaron Rodgers had some good quotes about him recently. I really, really hope he stays healthy. I'm, I'm excited and anxious to watch him play because as a rookie, I mean, he looked like he had a chance to be an all-timer. And the big news from this past week, 49ers trade quarterback Trey Lance to the Dallas Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. This is going to be my Labatt Take of the Week, presented by Labatt Blue Light, the pristine Canadian Pilsner. Enjoy your beers together so you can live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. I've got three things to to mention here. Number one, ignore anyone that says the Cowboys got Trey Lance as leverage for Dak. Are you kidding? The guy that couldn't even beat out Sam Darnold to be the backup for the night. You think Dak's like, oh, oh no, I should sign this contract now. They got Trey Lance. What are you talking about? Number two, Obviously, it was terrible what happened with the Niners and Trey Lance and everything they gave up for him. It's a sunk cost. They blew it. It was, it was a bad draft pick. Whatever. They moved on. Admitted they made a mistake. Moved on. I think it's pretty good. They got a fourth-round pick and got rid of his salary, to be honest with you. And they hit on Purdy, so they're fine. Number three, this is a weird fit for Trey Lance. He needs to go somewhere where he can play. He just went to the other really good team in the NFC that has even a more established quarterback. This, this situation doesn't help Trey Lance at all. At all. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft, all on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV+, Plus, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shoutouts. Love me some MyFrontPageStory.com. There is no better. Although I love Pizza Boy Brewing, Sport of Culture, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles, and BackOfficeSchedule.com as well.